Chapter Fifteen of Fame and Fortune. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Barry Eads. Fame and Fortune, or the Progress of Richard Hunter by Horatio Alger. Chapter Fifteen. The Franklin Street Station House. The station house to which Dick had been conveyed is situated in that part of Franklin Street which lies between Center and Baxter Streets. The last is one of the most wretched streets in the city, lined with miserable tenement houses, policy shops, and second-hand clothing stores. Whoever passes through it in the evening will do well to look to the safety of his pocket-book and watch, if he is imprudent enough to carry either in a district where the Ten Commandments are unknown or unregarded. The station house is an exception to the prevailing squalidness, being kept with great neatness. Mr. Murdoch ascended the steps, and found himself in a large room, one side of which was fenced off by a railing. Behind this was a desk, at which sat the officer in charge. To him Mr. Murdoch directed himself. "'Have you a boy named Richard Hunter in the house?' "'Yes,' said the sergeant, referring to his minutes. "'He was brought in this afternoon, charged with picking a gentleman's pocket.' There is some mistake about this. He is as honest as I am. I have nothing to do with that. He will have a fair trial to-morrow morning. All I have to do is to keep him in safe custody till then. Of course. Where is he? In a cell below. Can I see him? If you wish. The officer summoned an attendant, and briefly ordered him to conduct Mr. Murdoch to Dick's cell. This way, sir, said the attendant. Mr. Murdoch followed him through a large rear room, which is intended for the accommodation of the officers. Then descending some steps into the courtyard, he descended thence into the apartments in the basement. Here are the cells for the temporary detention of offenders who are not at once sent to the tombs for trial. The passages are whitewashed and the cells look very neat. They are on either side with a grating, so that one passing along can look into them readily. They are probably about seven feet long, by four or five in width. A narrow raised bedstead, covered with a pallet, occupies one side, on which the prisoner can either lie or sit, as he pleases. "'How are you, boss?' asked a negro woman, who had been arrested for drunkenness, swaying forward as Mr. Murdoch passed, and nearly losing her balance as she did so. "'Can't you give me a few cents to buy some supper?' Turning from this revolting spectacle, Mr. Murdoch followed his guide to the second cell beyond, where our hero was confined. "'Is it you, Mr. Murdoch?' exclaimed our hero, joyfully jumping to his feet. "'I am glad to see you.' "'And I am glad to see you, but I wish it were somewhere else,' said Mr. Murdoch. "'So do I,' said Dick. "'I ain't partial to this hotel, though the accommodations is gratuitous, and the company is very select. I see you will have your joke, Dick, even in such a place.' "'I don't feel so jolly as I might,' said Dick. "'I never was in the station-house before, "'but I shall be lucky if I don't get set to a worse place. "'Have you any idea who took the wallet which was found in your pocket?' "'No,' said Dick. "'Do you know a boy called Mickey McGuire?' proceeded Mr. Murdoch. "'Yes,' said Dick, looking up in surprise. "'Mickey used to be a great friend of mine. "'He'd be delighted if he only knew I was enjoying the hospitality of the government. "'He does know it.' said Mr. Murdoch quietly. "'How do you know?' asked Dick quickly. "'Because it was he that stole the wallet and put it in your pocket.' 
"'How did you find out?' asked Dick eagerly. "'Do you know a boy named Tim Ryan?' "'Yes, he's a good boy. "'It was he that brought me your note. "'He saw the whole proceeding. "'Why didn't he tell, and stop my being arrested, then?' "'I asked him that, but he said he was afraid Mickey would beat him when he found out. "'But he is a friend of yours, and he stands ready to testify what he knows, "'at your trial tomorrow morning.' "'That's lucky,' said Dick, breathing a sigh of relief. "'So it was Mickey served me the trick. "'He always loved me like a brother, Mickey did, "'but I didn't expect he'd steal for my benefit. "'I'm very much obliged to him, "'but I'd rather dispense with such little favors another time. "'You will be surprised to learn that Mickey came round to our store this afternoon.' "'What for?' questioned Dick in amazement. "'I don't know whether he came by accident or design, "'but Mr. Gilbert employed him to black his boots. "'Mr. Gilbert?' "'Yes.' They seemed to be conversing earnestly, but I was too far off to hear what was said. Finally, Gilbert appeared to get angry, and drove the boy out. "'That's strange,' said Dick thoughtfully. "'Mr. Gilbert loves me about as much as Mickey does.' "'Yes, there seems to be some mystery about it. We may find out some time what it is. But here is your friend Fosdick.' "'How are you, Fosdick?' hailed Dick from his cell. "'I'm holding a little levy down here. Did you receive my card of invitation?' "'I've been uneasy all afternoon, Dick,' said Fosdick. "'Ever since I heard you were here, I've been longing to come and see you. "'Then you ain't ashamed of me, even if I am in the station-house?' "'Of course I know you don't deserve to be here. Tell me all about it. "'I only got a chance to speak a minute with Tim Ryan, for there were customers waiting. "'I'll tell you all I know myself,' said Dick. "'I'm sorry to keep you standing, but the door is locked, and I've accidentally lost the key. "'So I can't invite you into my parlor, as the spider invited the fly.' "'Don't stand on ceremony, Dick. I'd just as leave stay outside.' "'So would I,' said Dick, rather ruefully. The story was told over again, with such new light as Mr. Murdoch had been able to throw upon it. "'It's just like Mickey,' said Fosdick. "'He's a bad fellow.' "'It was a rather mean trick,' said Dick. "'But he hasn't had a very good bringing up, or maybe he'd be a better boy.' That he should have spoken thus at the moment when he was suffering from Mickey's malice, showed a generosity of feeling which was characteristic of Dick. No one was more frank, open, or free from malice than he, though always ready to stand up for his rights when he considered them assailed. It is this quality in Dick, joined to his manly spirit, which makes him a favorite with me, as he is also with you, let me hope, young reader. "'It'll come out right, Dick,' said Fosdick cheerfully. "'Tim Ryan's testimony will clear you.' I feel a good deal better about it now than I did this afternoon, when I didn't know how things were likely to go with you. I hope so, said Dick. But I'm afraid you won't get any supper if you stay any longer with me. How about your supper, Dick? asked Fosdick, with sudden thought. Do they give you any in this establishment? No, said Dick. This hotel's on the European system, with improvements. You get your lodging for nothing, and nothing to eat along with it. I don't like the system much. I don't think I could stand it more than a week without its hurting my constitution. I'll go out and get you something, Dick, said Fosdick, if the rules of the establishment allow it, shall I? Well, said Dick, I might eat a little, though the place isn't very stimulating to the appetite. What shall I bring you? I ain't particular, said Dick. Just then the attendant came along, and Fosdick inquired if he would be allowed to bring his friend something to eat. Certainly, was the reply. We provide nothing ourselves as the prisoners only stay with us a few hours. "'I'll be right back,' said Fosdick. Not far from the station-house, Fosdick found a baker's shop, where he bought some bread and cakes, with which he started to return. As he was nearing the station-house, 
he caught sight of Mickey McGuire hovering about the door. Mickey smiled significantly as he saw Fosdick and his burden. "'Where are you carrying that?' he asked. "'Why do you ask?' said Fosdick, who could not feel very friendly to the author of Dick's misfortune. "'Never mind why,' said Mickey. "'I know well enough. It's for your friend Dick. How does he like his new lodgings? How do you like them? You've been there often enough.' "'Don't be imprudent, or I'll lame ye,' said Mickey, scowling. As Fosdick was considerably smaller than himself, Mickey might have ventured upon an assault, but deemed it imprudent in the immediate vicinity of the station-house. "'Give my compliments to Dick,' he said. "'I hope he'll sleep well.' To this Fosdick returned no answer, but entering the building, descended to Dick's temporary quarters. He passed the bread and cake through the grating, and Dick, cheered by the hope of an acquittal on the morrow, and a speedy recovery of his freedom, partook with a good appetite. "'Can't you give me a mouthful, boss?' muttered the negro woman, before mentioned, as she caught sight of Fosdick's load. He passed a cake through the grating, which she seized eagerly, and devoured with appetite. "'I think I must be going,' said Mr. Murdoch, consulting his watch, "'or my wife and children won't know what has become of me.' "'Good night, Mr. Murdoch,' said Dick. "'Thank you for your kindness.' "'Good night, Richard. Keep up your courage.' "'I'll try to.' Fosdick stopped longer. At last he went away, and our hero, left to himself, lay down upon his pallet and tried to get to sleep. End of chapter 15